0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't
1: fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
4: Streaming live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you will find the... uh, podcast and all the links to the various radio stations and translators and Facebook and all that stuff. And of course, also broadcasting around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome to the Michael Luke show, uh, for the Tuesday edition, Tuesday edition of the show. It is the, uh, the big day, the big deep dive Uh, Tuesdays is where we get a chance to talk to Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who comes on board to talk with us about all things related to the state of Alaska. And we appreciate him coming on board, uh, this morning and being part of it with us. We are, uh, ready, ready to go. Ready, steady, Teddy. Uh, we're going to do it right now. Uh, we are, uh, 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 jumping on board. We've got some headlines here that we're going to hit on first. And uh, we'll talk about some of the things that are happening around the state. And then we will uh, dive right into it with uh, Brad Keithley, who I think is going to have some um, some interesting uh, takes on things this morning. We are going to be discussing the budget as it comes out of the Senate. It's not quite passed yet. There's still some uh, wrangling to be done this morning. But a lot of interesting things happened yesterday, which we'll get into here in just a second. So we'll cover what the budget looks like. Uh, we'll then talk about whether, uh, when, when, if ever, we're going to get a long-range fiscal plan in this state, and what does it mean if we don't. And then finally, we'll talk about what's happening with PICA and Santos and the oil and gas industry and everything else in uh, the state of Alaska. Then in hour two, we're going to dive into it with our friend Chris Story, who will come in and give us our weekly life coaching lesson, our positive, posit- positivity boost that's what we're looking for today. So we're going to dive into that this morning, and we'll get, things, uh, we'll get things up and rolling. So first things first, I guess we need to take a look at some of the headlines. I want to talk about what happened in the Senate yesterday. But first, some other news, some interesting things, and, of course, a few things that are a little tragic and terrifying. Um, right now on Kodiak, there is a hunt underway for a 7-year-old boy who um, he disappeared from his home on Saturday. Um, As many as 950 people turned up on Sunday to look for Sawyer uh, Sipola. Um, Police in Kodiak on Saturday issued an alert about an hour after he disappeared, just before noon, it was said he was last seen wearing a blue and red sweater and carrying a toy wooden sword. Now, the boy is autistic, and so he does not respond to his name, but he does respond to howling. And the phrase is, come on in, and Brigadier. It also says, uh, if someone says Marco, he may answer Polo. And so they are looking for this uh, young boy, and uh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that uh, they're able to find him um, and that uh, I hope that he is unharmed. But our thoughts and prayers go out to the Sipola family as they look for young Sawyer. So uh, anything you can do if you live on Kodiak to help with that is – is going to be is is going to be a plus. In other news, um, the uh, the town of Homer can breathe a little easier. Um, the murder of uh, Anisha Duffy Murnane uh, looks like it may have finally been solved. On Saturday's, prosecutors charged Kirby Calderwood, a former resident of Homer who was living in Utah. They charged him with murder, kidnapping, tampering with evidence. He was arrested uh, on Monday in Ogden, Utah. They've been following hundreds of tips and interviewed numerous peoples, according to the Homer Police Department. And basically, the charging documents say Calderwood is a violent, disturbed sexual deviant, essentially. I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, he is listed that he has Disturbing and Sexually Violent Behavior, History of Disturbing and Sexually Violent Behavior. He apparently had raped two former people, both have been reported according to the ADN, to the Army at that point. I don't know why that didn't go any deeper than that, but the Army apparently knew about this. And then he, at some point, had moved to um, Homer and was working with, um, uh, he is working for a company that, Provided uh, supported living apartments in Homer, uh, which of course is uh, where Duffy lived. Uh, South Peninsula Behavioral Health Services said Calderwood worked for them between 2017 and 2019. They were already investigating Calderwood. Uh, Calderwood went on April 14th, an anonymous caller left a detailed tip on the Crime Stoppers line that was very specific, named naming him and how the kidnapping, the murder, and the destruction of evidence were all committed. Turned out that the uh, caller was Calderwood's most recent partner who had moved from Homer to Ogden, Utah, with him. Uh, This guy is a real piece of human filth. Uh, So they searched his apartment in Utah. They found the Timex watch that matched the one that Duffy had been wearing, and uh, they also found some missing person flyers for her and everything else. So it looks like... um, although she had already been declared legally dead and uh, everyone, you know, has pretty much accepted the fact that she was dead. This has got to be a, this has got to be at least a load of uh, 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 a bit of a relief that there is some closure on this. And I hope that they throw the book at this guy and bury him under the jail. That's just, that's all I'm saying, but you know, it may all be wrong. Somebody in the chat room just said, well, he's innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, it's true. But, uh, based on everything that's laid out here hmm, human filth I'm just I'm gonna make a judgment call on that one and say that just based on all this other stuff human filth he is innocent until proven guilty and uh, we'll see what happens but anyway it is good news for the uh, uh for the family I think of Duffy at this point to have at least a little bit of closure uh, in that direction definitely it does not bring her back but that's that's how it is. Um, interestingly enough, we're watching the Democrats turn on each other at this point, although they're not doing a great job in and of themselves of doing very good. Now, first of all, let's talk about the, uh, the, the Democrat who's running for state Senate seat F. Her name is Janice Lynn Park, and she jumped onto social media last week and basically accused anybody who's unvaccinated of killing the rest of us. That's what she said. The unvaccinated are killing the rest of us. While the unvaccinated are still most likely to die from COVID, they're increasing the risk for, you're killing us all. And she linked a Washington Post story that noted that COVID deaths are no longer confined to the unvaccinated, which, duh, newsflash. I mean, this this is what's been going on. But this is what she's. Uh, this is what she's. She's. Uh, she's going. On. So she's already not winning friends and influencing people with that position to begin with. I mean, God love her, she can take whatever position she wants, but that's definitely not uh, not a position I think that's going to win her anybody in the middle. Quite honestly, uh, she's definitely off to a great start uh, for that. Uh, so she is kind of self destructing her own campaign on top of that. But the Democrats actually pulled an interesting thing out of the playbook here. Uh, if you've been following this, uh, uh following along with this, uh, the Democrats have now come out both guns roaring against Al Gross. Now, this guy was, I mean, he was their darling. Even though he wasn't a Democrat, he was a independent, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see. I mean, he's an independent. He, uh, he, uh, he, it looks like the Democrat is over. Here's what they posted to Twitter. This is great. She says, Alaska Democrats say he's not a liberal. He's not a Democrat. And he sure as hell doesn't share your democratic values, but pandering Al Gross still has the audacity to beg for your money after saying he'd caucus with Republicans. Do you really want your money going to support the Donald Trump, Sarah Palin platform Support Democrats in the special elections for Alaskans' lone, ho- lone house seat. Not a liberal. Not a Democrat. Lost to Diane Sullivan by 12.7 points. Finished fourth out of fifth in election for the hometown hospital board. <laughs> proven loser. They literally, proven
1: loser.
4: And it's like, wow. I mean, <laughs> like, Wow. They just threw him completely under the bus. Well, uh, Alaska Survey Research, Ivan Moore's outfit, basically conducted some polling on this and discovered that basically most of the polls uh, amongst Democrats get split out because Al Gross takes much of the vote. And uh, and I don't know where they say that he said he would he would caucus with Republicans. All I remember is the story where he would admit that he has left leanings and would caucus with the Democrats. But... You know, he's uh, he's out there. So they've just immediately thrown Al Gross under the bus. Now, he's already out there in force. Uh, I saw some numbers yesterday uh, talking about that uh, he he's spending something like 100000 bucks a week on television campaigns and stuff right now. He's got the money. He's got the war chest. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's not going to duck out at this point. I think you're going to see – uh, I mean, this might be the one bright lining to this whole rank choice thing is that he splits out the Democratic vote on Don Young's seat and uh, you end up getting uh, you end up getting something. And in fact, uh, that same poll, by the way, shows that uh, and it's the only poll so far that has been done in an actual rank choice voting style. Um, and no matter which way you slice it in all four of those polls and excuse me, in all four of the races, that the poll uses, it uses fictitious races and says, here's where your four choices are. Um, and it starts off with uh, uh, Palin, Baggage, Gross, and Sweeney. And then it's Palin, Begich, Gross, and Constant. And Palin, Begich, Gross, and Peltola. Uh, all of them, in the long run and in the end, Beggage wins in every race. With Gross taking second. So, that's, I think that might be part of their angst, is they're like, well, oh, wait a second, wait a second, we can't support this guy. Anyway, so I found that interesting. And finally, yesterday must have been an amazing day on the floor. And I was not watching. It started at 7 a.m. and went till well after dinner time, apparently. But uh, when it was all said and done, the Senate voted 10 to 9 and 12 to 7. For budget amendments that have a combined fifty-five hundred dollars for every qualifying Alaskan, and that is the full statutory dividend payment plus a thirteen hundred dollar energy assistance check. So it's both. It's everything. It's the whole enchilada, my friends. And uh, what's interesting on this is that uh, <clears throat> uh, Natasha was absent yesterday, and the vote was ten to nine. Uh, Voting in favor of it was all of your favorite conservative senators. And then on top of that, you had Bill Willikowski, Donnie Olson, and Scott Kawasaki, the three Democrats. They all voted for the full statutory PFD. Opposed to that, Senate President Peter Maciecki, Tom Begich, and, of course, Bert Stedman. Uh, They were all in opposition to that, uh, along with with, uh, um, uh, uh, Bishop... Uh, and uh, and Revac and Stevens from the uh, Republican side. Uh, But it is in there. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to get the full statutory PFD, because remember, this has to go back to conference committee. But at least it raises the starting point, because if we'd only had a $2,500 check plus the energy rebate, we would have started at $2,500. Now we're going to start at the full statutory PFD. But Machicki... I mean, the vote—it was going to pass anyway at this point. Why didn't you? You know, why? Why wouldn't you? If nothing else, why wouldn't you do the political thing? Well, I'm going to take a stand, I guess. He says. Although that—I think that's the wrong stand for what your constituency wants, Peter. I'll be real honest with you. I think you continue to hammer home to the people who you promised to file for to uh, to vote for a full statutory PFD. I think you've pretty much put pretty, pretty much proven that you can't be trusted at this point because you you've told that you said Clem Tilly and you told him you signed the pledge you I mean I know I didn't want to get your hopes up in the past that was but this was your opportunity it was gonna pass anyway why not just nope gonna vote against it even though I said I would vote for it because I really didn't mean it is what that means I really really didn't mean it Well, that's okay. I think he's pretty much assuring at this point that he is going to be unelectable in that position. But who knows? I mean, Mike Dunleavy still hasn't announced who his running mate's going to be. Is he going to try and make it somebody like Peter Machicke? I mean, talk about the kiss of death for your campaign. Go ahead. If that's what you want to do, I guess that's... I I just I don't know. I just don't know. Um, all right, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio, Brad keithley up next.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes on Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukeshow.com.
4: Okay, we're in the break right now. Um, uh, we got one line. Who's on hold? Why would you? I didn't open the phone lines. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
5: I'm Mike Brady from Las Vegas.
4: Brady, what's up? We didn't, we're not taking phone calls this morning, but if you want to say something, say it now before we got to go.
5: Oh, uh, they're voting on the lend Lease Act of $40 billion to the Ukrainians. Do you see that?
4: Mm, I heard something about it, yeah.
5: Yeah, that's kind of funny. That was the same thing that was used in 1941 to defeat the fascist Nazis, and now we're going to give money to the fascist Nazis that are in the Ukrainian army. That's well, kind of ironic.
4: Well, I, I mean, I disagree with your assessment of the Ukrainians. I don't believe that they're fascist Nazis, but uh, I mean.
5: Did you watch? Uh, did you see who Zelensky posed with yesterday with that death skull on the, on that guy's soldier's uh, front vest? No, That's I' from the Third Panzer Division of the Himmler's Army.
4: Okay. I didn't see that. Um, I did I have done a bunch of reading uh, since we spoke about this before um, and uh, and it, it's it, and I do not believe that uh, Nazism and fascism runs rampant in the military um, in the Ukraine. Um, I think yes, there were. I think the original origins of the Azov battalion, uh, came from that, but I think it has shifted as you look at it for over the last uh, six or seven years. That it's uh, that its mission and its makeup has shifted. But that's just that's just me. I know you're not going to convince me, and I'm not going to convince you. So, but uh, I don't believe that it's fascism and Nazism. That's just my hot take on it. All right, we got to go here. Uh, I've got to get Brad Keithley on the line. So let me get that uh, let me get that squared away to begin with here. Um, and come on launch it, launch it. Oh, thing takes so long. All right. Looks like we're going to be, uh, looks like we're going to be all squared away here as soon as Zoom decides to finally connect. There we go. Okay. All right. Looks like we're now connected and we're waiting for Brad to hook us all up and connect us in there. So we're going to, uh, we're going to do that. Uh, join with computer audio. Look at that! I joined with computer audio, and now I can hear. And now I can hear. Uh, uh Brad Keithley. Good morning, my friend. How are you,
1: Michael? I'm doing great today. How about you?
4: Whoa! You are killing me. You are like booming here. Let me. Um, can I? Can I turn you down? Um. Okay. There we go. Uh, I don't know if I turned. I don't know if I turned you down or not. But
1: uh, we'll see. We'll see. Michael, how are you doing this morning?
4: We're doing okay. Boy, you are really loud, though. You are you're you're coming in loud and proud this morning. That's fine. That's fine. I don't, it's,
1: I don't know what to do. It's the same setup I've had.
4: No, it's it is what it is. You know, sometimes those things happen. Um, all right, so you all ready to dive into this thing? I mean,
1: I am. Yeah, I am. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting segment.
4: Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm quite interested to see exactly what's going to be happening here. So we're gonna. We're going to dive into that, so I'm going to put you on hold here, and we'll come back to you here in just a, just a hot second, so don't uh, go anywhere. Uh, all right, folks, if you want to uh, like and uh, follow the show page, I would appreciate that. If you would share the video, I don't know how many people have shared it as of right now. Um, um, look who is on the Legislative Budget and Audit Committee. Don't get your hope up for a full PFD. Uh, Well, I mean, we know that she's on the LBNA, that she's the one that's been running a lot of those things. Um, uh, I do not believe – Kevin McCabe says, I believe no conference committee needed if the House concurs with the Senate changes to HB 281. Well, that's assuming that they do concur, Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Mike Krog said, I wouldn't be surprised if action is rescinded in the Senate today on the PFD. They might reconsider. You might ask for reconsideration. Possibly. I mean, you know, uh, but at least – well, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens here. Uh, but LBNA doesn't really have anything, uh, anything this is the. this is, you know, it's going to be the conference committee, which is made up of the Senate finance co-chairs and some alternates. It's six people total. Um, but uh, again, if they concur, great. If not, something else. All right, we're jumping back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based. Free Thinking Radio. Okay, Uh, welcome back to the program and thank you for joining us. It is the Michael Duke Show, the Tuesday edition of the program. As we continue to move forward here, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes on board with us this morning to talk about the weekly top three, which include the big one. I think we could probably do almost the entire hour on this segment alone. The big one has to do with the uh, budget that came out of Senate, uh, the Senate yesterday with the huge marathon floor session and everything else. And the headline reads, full PFD, $5,500, uh, full PFD plus an energy rebate check, but don't start spending all that money yet. Um, it's uh, lots of stuff still to occur. Uh, Brad Keithley, our guest. Good morning, Brad. How are you?
1: Michael, I'm doing great today.
4: How about you? You know, doing good, doing real good. So, um, what? Uh, what say you? Um, as you watch this and look at this, um, I mean, I was a little shocked. Again, I had some, I had some phone conversations over the weekend with some people down in Juneau, and there was a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth and and uh, ripping of clothing, and people were just up, upset about everything that was going on. And yet, in the long run, we see this amendment by Shower come forward. And getting the support of ten out of twenty, so barely a ten to nine vote, um, and uh, and people are like, "Really? Uh, where does it go from here?" So, what what say you on this?
1: Well, the actions on the PFD itself yesterday were 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 good. The uh, uh, Senate, as you say, did vote ten to nine for uh, a full PFD, a full statutory PFD. It would be the first one since uh, uh, fiscal year twenty. 20- Sixteen, which was the 2015 payment, um, and um, and I think it I think that's a positive development. Almost everything else that went on around it, I think, is 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 problematic. But but getting the full statutory PFD, I think, is a uh, is is a good step. And those who voted for it, uh, I think, ought to be applauded. The rest of it um, uh, is, I, th- I think, Roger Holland may have inadvertently had the quote of the day uh about what was going on his quote was uh in response to uh, an argument from from Bert at one point about you know whatever was on the floor at the time whatever amendment was on the floor and wasn't su- sustainable holland uh, roger holland had this to say he says it doesn't have to be sustainable this budget is just for this year and that's that's a quote i think that we've heard at some point every year since 2012 since we first started uh going down uh the the, the rabbit hole of uh of, of spending more, uh, more than we have setting aside the PFD and looking at, at overall spending separate and apart from the PFD. Uh, we are, we are spending more even in this year, even in the year of, of record high oil prices, we are spending more, uh, than we have non-PFD, uh, revenues to cover. That is if, if you set aside the PFD, don't include any of the, uh, uh, of uh, of the PFD revenues uh, in support of the in support of the budget, exclude the PFD from spending. Uh, we're spending more. The budget that that the that the Senate appears to be ready to approve, uh, based upon the votes yesterday and uh and, and more to come today, uh, is spending more than we have non-PFD uh, revenues uh, to pay for, and it's just I, I'm, that to me is that is the headline of the story. We've got the governor proposed. Um, his FY23 uh, budget, amended budget, was $4.63 billion. Uh, yesterday, uh, adding up all of the spending that Senate Finance had had approved, adding the additional spending that got approved uh, through amendments on the floor, we're now in excess of $5.5 billion uh, UGF spending, which is roughly $900 million more, 20, uh, nearly 20% more uh, than what the, than what the governor proposed, and the real story, the real spending story, isn't even FY twenty three. The real spending story <laughs> is what's going on with the FY twenty two supplemental.
4: Right, millions, uh, of hundreds of millions of dollars in the supplemental budget for this year.
1: Right, I, well, for FY twenty two, they're they're spending an additional the FY twenty two budget ended up somewhere around four point six billion dollars. Uh, enacted at the end of last legisl- legislative session, the supplemental. If you add everything that the that the Senate has thrown in, if you add what the House has proposed to throw in, the supplemental is 1.4 billion dollars on top of that of that uh, 4.6 billion dollars. It spends out all of the additional revenue that we're going to have for this fiscal year, FY 22, the fiscal year we're in right now. It spends all of that out. Uh, uh, without saving without saving a dime of it on 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 a wide variety of things, so I think the story of yesterday. I mean, from from the standpoint of the PFD, it's a good story. From the standpoint of everything else, it's a horrible story, and and it goes on both sides of the aisle. I mean, we even had one amendment yesterday after after the after the FY twenty two supplemental does back pay on uh, on on the the the. Uh, school bonding on paying off a uh, uh, right, what, what, what school indebtedness, state school, school bonding, in. yep, school bonding debt. After it adds additional money uh, on top of on top of the education budget, another sixty some odd million dollars on top of the education budget that was passed in the House. They tried to remove it in the Senate. The Senate voted to retain it yesterday. After all of that, one of the amendments was to add another six hundred thousand dollars in spending to pay for diving boards for one of the anchorage for one of the anchorage schools and that passed yeah i mean we're we're just we the, the story of this year is is in part the pfd but the real story of this year from the standpoint of fiscal sustainability is they can't help themselves they can't stop themselves it was republican votes that passed that six hundred thousand dollars for the diving board they, they just they, they can't they can't stop themselves and and that's just i mean it's just it's a it's a it's a tragic story, in the sense that uh, that that you know we're never going to get to fiscal sustainability if we can't hold back uh, the spending. And yesterday I think demonstrated, set aside the PFD. I think yesterday demonstrated that that no one's in control of spending. It's just spinning out of control. Well, as uh, as, as Roger Hammond says, it doesn't have to be sustainable. The budget is just for this year. We got the money. We're going to spend it. <laughs> Uh, well, good for
4: us. Roger Holland had a, a, the terrific quote the other day of basically, you know, when I got here, we we're in a fiscal crisis and the solution was cut the PFD and add more taxes. And here we are flush with money, more money that we know what to do with. And the answer is cut the PFD and create more taxes. I mean, that that's the body, you know, so what's the deal? Uh, Natasha Von Amhoff next to him, he said, you know, said on the floor, we've got more money than we know what to do with. Bert Stedman is quoted in saying, after we've done all these things and paid for all this stuff, we got $4 billion to play with. I mean, these guys, I mean, that's what it is. It is the power hungry madness of spending all this money, making sure that the people don't get any of it. In fact, doing everything they can to try and strip the PFD out so that they can control more of the money for spending.
1: Well, forget the PFD, just set aside the PFD. They spent all the money, they've spent all the FY22 money uh, uh, through through the supplemental. All of the additional revenue that we've got out of oil prices, they've spent it all uh, in the, they're spending it all in the supplemental. Look at FY23, Roger Holland, it was Roger Holland's amendment to add $600,000 for the diving boards. Now, you know, somebody who somebody who says he's a fiscal conservative and I and I I'm sure he is. But when push came to shove, that money was sitting there. Right. It's like loose change in your pocket. Uh, and and when push <laughs> came to shove, it was his amendment to add six hundred thousand dollars. After we've after we fully funded retroactively fully funded school bond debt, uh, after we've added another 60 million dollars on top of the. On top of the K through 12 education budget, it was his amendment to add six hundred thousand dollars more uh, to spending passed by Republicans uh, in, in the Senate uh, to uh, to layer that uh, layer that spending on. So it's it, it is disappointed. The, the The PFD is a hugely positive news. Yes, we finally lived up. We at least the Senate voted to live up to the statute. It's going to go to conference. We can talk about you know, whether it's going to survive conference, but, but yes, that's hugely positive news, but the, but, but it, under the shadow of, of that overhang under the shadow of what they did on the PFD, it just, it was, it was another outrageous day in terms of spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it. Mike Shower proposed a bunch of, of, of budget cuts. I mean, in total, they maybe amounted to $5 million, maybe $10 million. Right. There were a bunch of minor budget cuts, but shower at the same time proposed amendments that would have, you know, funded the Matsu rail extension. We don't have the money for that. We don't have the non-PFD money for that. Fortunately, that one was defeated. But but you you still end up with the six hundred thousand diving board, the dollar uh, diving boards. It's just it's a very disappointing. It, it's a it's a great day on the PFD side. It's a very disappointing day. Uh, on the the spending side. There weren't even any amendments, uh, as far as I could tell, there weren't even any amendments to to affect uh, the $1.4 billion in FY22 supplemental spending.
4: Um, It's interesting. There's still going to be uh, amendments on the floor today. Um, They considered 50 amendments yesterday, uh, and they're going to uh, discuss two additional amendments to the budget this morning before voting on whether to pass the budget. And then in the chat room, uh, Representative Mike Cronk said he wouldn't be surprised if action is uh, if there's an action to rescind in the Senate today on the PFD. What's your take on on all that
1: right now? There may be. Um, you've got um, Bill Wilkowsky and Scott uh, Kawasaki were critical votes uh, on the full PFD. It was a ten to nine vote. Uh, any vote changing would be problematic. Uh, I've seen uh, a lot of uh, posts. I've I've heard a lot of chatter. Uh, uh, criticizing Kawasaki and Willikowski for that vote. I don't think Willikowski changes. I doubt Kawasaki changes. Uh, but uh, but you know, and Donnie Olson was the other. Well, it was seven Republicans, uh, three Democrats. Donnie Olson's the other one. I doubt Donnie changes. Uh, but uh, but there may be pressure to do that. The, the 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 one of the other amendments that's yet to come is Donnie Olson's uh, capital budget amendment to add additional funding on top of. The funding they already approved yesterday on top of the six hundred thousand dollars for the diving boards um is, is to add additional money for the port of Nome and the port of anchorage the senate you know a big difference the big difference between the house uh, uh the the house finance uh committee substitute on the capital budget and the senate finance uh budget uh, capital budget are uh, on port funding. Uh, the House uh, finances uh, uh, has, has much more for port funding, both Anchorage uh, and, uh, and Nome. And Donnie's gonna run an amendment today uh, to try to increase the FY23 budget. I think it's the FY23 budget, maybe the FY22 supplemental, to uh, increase the budget uh, more for, uh, for that capital spending. So, um, you know, we may end up today with even more spending uh, on, the, on the books.
4: And what happens? Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm just shaking my head at this point. Uh, now that it's an omnibus bill, do, what is the effect of that? Do you think as this the spending goes in there and the full dividend and everything else, what's the effect of the omnibus status where they bundled basically the supplemental, the ca- the operating and the capital all into one bill, so you can't separate it out. You can't support one and not support something else what effect do you think that that has on it?
1: Well, I mean, if the, if the house concurs, uh, then it won't go to, uh, conference, uh, and, and you won't have, uh, you won't have conference issues, um, uh, any conference issues on, on any side of the spending. Um, if the house doesn't concur, it goes to conference. The, the, the difference, I mean, where the house is upset is that they're not going to get a chance to add their capital budget items. They don't have a capital there's not going to be a capital budget bill out of the house to uh to negotiate with. So the Senate will pretty well set the the agenda on the capital budget uh, items and that's what the house is upset with. But you know it'll 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 if it's not concurred in by the by the house it'll still go to go, go to conference and it'll be a big bill going uh, going to conference. All right. Well, uh,
4: we'll have to see what this all leads to in the end. Brad, quick tease on number two, which, of
1: course, is whether or not we actually ever get a long-range fiscal plan. Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to. It, it sort of melds into number one, but I got to admit, I'm discouraged uh, from from this vote yesterday, from the additional spending that got added yesterday. Uh, uh, you're going to hear uh, you're going to hear a lot of discouragement from me about a long-range fiscal plan.
4: All right Brad Keithley our guest Alaskans for sustainable budgets don't forget you can come out and join us on Facebook if you would like to uh, ask questions during the break or get uh, get some more uh, uh, get some more of Brad's uh, hot takes on all this stuff we're going to continue here in just a moment don't go anywhere the Michael Duke show continues your home for common sense liberty based free thinking radio
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
4: Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, Let me go backwards here. When you said something, people were like, what? Um. Uh, Rick says, excuse me, did you say thank God that was defeated? That was a discussion on finishing the rail spur uh, in the Matsu. I mean, this is part of the capital infrastructure, and doing that, there would be a huge return on investment because it would allow for more things to go straight to the interior and not put all our eggs in one basket, so to speak. There's argument, of course, of being able to move natural gas up north and everything else. So you think that that's a poor investment in the capital budget, or is, is this strictly a numbers game and where you're saying – We should be cutting and not and not spending more. What what's your take on that, Brad?
1: Oh, it's it's a numbers game, Michael. I mean, we we've added so much spending to this point that that yeah, Shower didn't propose if Shower came in or anybody came in and said, look, instead of funding this, I I want to fund this. I want to replace this program. You know, for example, the 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 forward funding in oil and gas tax credits that uh, that's that's now embedded in the FY '22 supplemental budget. Instead of instead of that, I want to fund this. Um, and and that would be, you know, that'd be fine. Let's let's have a debate about whether what's better for the state funding this or funding that we just can't fund everything. And the way Shower did it yesterday was to layer on uh, the massive rail extension on top of everything else. Instead of instead of saying, I want to replace this or I want to pay for it. I want to pay for it in this fashion. He just layered it on top of everything else. And we just we can't afford it. Uh, by the way, return on investment. You, you know, I chuckle every time somebody says that. There is no return to the state on this investment, right? There are no taxes. There are no revenues that are going to come back to the state on it. It is it is a a funding of private sector gain by public sect by by public sector spending. Um, and and yes, there's a return, but the return doesn't come to the state. It doesn't come to the investor. It goes it goes to to private sector. So it's. I, it, it, it's it's hard to argue, it's hard to ever convince me and others that that you know we're talking about great returns from from any of these capital spending. but but in 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 particular with respect to the way it played out yesterday, it's the incremental nature of yeah, let's spend all that and then let's spend this more. We don't have it. If you take out the PFd as a revenue source as you should, and you take out PFd spending from the budget, we are spending more. Then, then we have non-PFD revenue to pay for, even in this time of $101 oil prices. So something's got to give. I mean, if you want if you want the MatSU spending, if you want MatSU rail extension spending, take something else out. At least take out the $600,000 diving boards that they voted for yesterday. That doesn't come close to offsetting it. But I mean, it's an right. example. We're well, spending we're just we're just spending more and more and more and more and more and more, and, more, and nobody's saying cut this. In order to make room for this more important spending.
4: Well, I mean, Shower did put an amendment forward to cut sixty million dollars from the education budget, but that failed by a ton, right? So, I mean, there there are attempts, but the problem is, is that the overall the overall it seems momentum and intent is just to spend, not to cut.
1: Exactly right. I mean, exactly right. So, yeah, you put forward a sixty million dollar uh, uh, spending cut, it gets defeated, and then you and then you want to spend three hundred million dollars. I think that's the number for the Nancy rail extension. You want to you want to spend you know X amount more uh, for something else, well, you don't have the room. You lost your you lost the proposal to cut the spending, and now you still but now you still want to, to to put incrementally more on top of it. I mean that's not not to not to get into to part two too quickly, but that's sort of that's sort of my ultimate disappointment. Yesterday, we are not even even in even after the last decade even after the experience of the last decade, we're not thinking about how to balance this budget long term. We're just you know piling up more and more and more and more on top of it uh, without really uh, getting at the core of the problem.
4: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable Budgets, uh, is our guest. Um, I mean, I could see at this point, yes, I see a benefit I see a benefit from the rail. I see that it could be you know help for development of resources. Uh, I mean, the Alaska Railroad Corporation would make some money on that. So maybe there'd be a slight return, but I definitely see. But again, I think Brad's argument does hold water in saying, basically, we're, we're continue, we we're can't just keep spending more, even though it's a good spend. It's a good, you know, hey, this is a great project. This is a great idea. Yes. But are we just still spending more and more and more? Um, but it is, uh, you know, it's this is definitely a difficult thing. Um,
1: if it's, if it's a great project, take out a bad project, I mean, Yeah, it, 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 do offsets, but, but don't just keep piling it on saying, ah oh, this, this next one's a great project too. Let's spend, let's spend on it. The $600,000 for diving boards. Oh, that's really great. Let's, let's spend it too. Well, I es- mean, just-
4: especially since the school districts have got like, I mean, the $54 million here in Anchorage and, and everything else, they couldn't find $600,000 for, first of all, $600,000 for diving boards. Second of all, you got fifty four million dollars in all this COVID money. Why don't you use some of that instead of going back to the legislature? But I digress. All right. So let's um let's hold the line here, Brad. We're gonna jump back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Share the show, like this video. Let's uh let's do it, my friends. Here we go. All right. Uh, we've got uh, Brad Keithley in the, uh, on the phone with us via Zoom. I guess not on the phone, but via joining us via Zoom today. Uh, so you can always come into the chat room and hang out with us there if you'd like. Meanwhile, we're working on the weekly top three. We just finished up with the number one, which was the budget, which uh, I think the answer, basically the reaction is it's totally out of control. Uh, even if you set aside the PFD, it's still out of control. Um, but uh, Brad, we wanted to talk about a fiscal long-term fiscal plan, which you said tied nicely into number one. Are we going to get one if we're ever going to have one? What's uh, you? You said you were gonna, you're discouraged, disgruntled, dauber down. Tell us what's happening here uh, with your thoughts on the uh, on the fiscal plan.
1: Let, let me say one thing first. I, I don't think the PFD is out of control. I,
4: I no think- no. I think we're talking about the budget outside of the PFD. But yeah,
1: right right. I think the PFD. I mean, I, I divide the way we used to before before we started mashing these two together in the middle, in the mid-20 teens in order to create more revenue for the state to spend. I, I, I continue to think about the PFD as a separate, separate part of the budget uh, uh, paid for by designated funds that come out of the, the permanent fund earnings reserve, paid in accordance with the statute. And I think that, I don't think that's out of control. I think maybe that's finally back in control. Because uh, because the Senate proposal is to uh, is to comply with the statute. At least as of last night, the Senate proposal is uh, is to comply with the statute. It's the what I really want people to focus on. It's the rest of spending, the rest of the budget that continues to be out of control. We are spending more even now, even with hundred dollar oil, we are spending more uh, than we have non PFD revenues uh, to pay for. Uh, we are we are in deficit spending. If you take the PFD out of the picture, take PFD revenues uh, the revenues to pay for the PFD out of the picture, take PFD spending out of the issue. We are pay, we are spending more than we have non-PFD uh, revenues to pay for. And I think that's just I, I I think that is, I think that is the headline of of yesterday's story. You want to spend all this, you're going to need you're going to need revenues uh, to pay for it. Um, and that's and that's that's con- that that continues to be uh, uh, where we be, where, where we are in, in terms of in terms of, you know, w- how this affects your thinking on a long term fiscal plan. This year was the perfect year to transition to a long term fiscal plan. This year was the perfect year to say, look, we got high revenues this year. Uh, we can fix our long term uh, fiscal plan without without uh, uh, a lot of short term pain. We can we can look at our long term budget and say yes we've got revenues now uh, but we're still when you look at the long term uh, we are still shorter revenues as oil prices go down uh, again as the futures market tells us they're going to uh, we, we've got we have deficits that show back up in future years we can set up a structure now uh, to deal with it in a in a you know mature calm manner because we're not in the middle of a crisis right this second we've put ourselves back in a crisis by all the spending but you could have said we're not in a in a crisis this second so we can set up a structure to deal with uh deal with the long term uh without having to you know mash it down on people right now without being in a crisis mode right now we haven't even come close to doing that and if we can't do it in a year like this when we when we have uh, revenues and we have, we can see the long-term outlook, we can see oil prices declining as the future, futures market tells us that they're going to. Uh, if we can't do it in a year where we have all this information and we have all of uh, all of these uh, revenues, uh, uh, current revenues coming from current high oil prices, if we can't set up a long-term fiscal plan in a situation like this, I don't know when we're ever going to do it. We've demonstrated we can't do it, we demonstrated throughout the 20 teens we couldn't do it when we were in crisis mode. We just started grabbing PFD revenues. Just right, started right. diverting PFD revenues. Right. And and now we're in a situation where we don't have to grab PFD revenues, where we can we can comply with the statute and we can set up a long-term fiscal plan to deal with the situation that's evolving out there. We have to keep spending down, but we, we can set it up. And, and and we and we haven't done it now. So, you know, it's it's a little discouraging in terms of thinking about when we're ever going to get to a long-term fiscal plan, we can't do it when we're, we've demonstrated we can't do it when we're in crisis mode. Now we can't, now we've demonstrated we can't do it when we're in flush mode. I don't know when, when the circumstances ever develop again to give us the opportunity to develop a long-term plan.
4: Do you think, well, I mean, I guess it comes back to what we were talking about yesterday with Roger Holland. We've changed out two-thirds of the legislature in the last five years, and yet we've got the same handful of players, five, six, seven people who are you know, been there for years, been there for decades. Some of them, uh, they're in control of the, of the leadership of these different bodies. If those people got changed out, do you think that there's a chance or is there even a chance of those people being
1: changed out at this point? Michael, I would, I would, I would have said before yesterday's votes, I would have said, yeah, there's a chance because we got some good rock rib, solid, uh, fiscal conservatives, uh, in the Senate that are uh, that are going to vote the right way and they're going to do the right thing and if they if we can just get more of those uh and then combine them with Willikowski and Donnie and uh, and and Kawasaki over on the democrat side on the PFD issue if we can just get more of those we can get this back under control but it was the republicans who passed the 600,000 for uh for uh, uh the uh, uh the, the the Anchorage School District uh, uh, diving boards it's the republicans who who didn't make the amendments to 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 reduce FY twenty two supplemental spending, it's the Republicans who didn't make the amendments to uh, to reduce FY twenty three spending. So it's I it's the it's the and it was the solid conservative. I mean, you look at that vote on the six hundred thousand dollars for the diving board. That tells you right there that that Republicans, even even the conservative Republicans, can't get themselves under control.
4: This so, this is very reminiscent of the. Uh, of the vetoes by Dunleavy and then the Republicans in the House uh, basically saying, oh, yeah, that's the vetoes are all except for this one. This is in my backyard. We can't do that one. We can't do. I mean, we saw the same kind of thing happen in the House minority, even where they had the chance to hold the line on things like, you know, reverse sweep and timing and, and, and everything else. And yet even some of them caved on these uh, on these same type of uh, uh, same type of issues where it was something in their district or something like that, where they're all about cuts in fiscal conservancy unless it affects their districts directly.
1: Yeah, exactly right, Michael. I, and and as I say, it sort of creates a sense of despair about getting to a long term fiscal plan. Yeah. Y- yeah. People talk a good game. People talk a good game about yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to hold the line here. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to hold the line there. And then you get to these floor votes. You get to these amendments. You get to the six hundred thousand dollars for the diving boards. And by gosh, you know all of those good intentions go out the window. And the votes then pile on on top of additional spending. And the amendments aren't there to reduce uh, spending other places. And then you know the FY22 supplemental gets stuffed. It's they talk a good game. And and if you believe the talk. You believe it's possible to to achieve uh, uh, a conservative long-term fiscal plan, but the votes are telling a different story. When when it comes time, when the rubber meets the road in terms of the votes on the floor, uh, those votes are telling a different story.
4: Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, we got about <laughs> we got about a minute here, so I'm just going to let you uh, I'll let you off the chain on this. And if you want to wrap up on this, and then anything you want to tease, uh, uh, we'd love to hear it.
1: Well, I just—we uh, I, I, need a long-term fiscal plan. I think that I think the the fiscal policy study group outlined a great one. Uh, I think House Ways and Means is at fault for not taking it up and not pressing it forward. That's what they were there to do. They were there to come up with a long-term plan, and they came up with another one that was just dependent on cutting the PFD more and more and more. Um, we need to find a way to get back. To, to that long-term fiscal plan that the what the, what the fiscal policy study group uh, did. Um, we need to find a working group did. We need to find a way to yep. get people to clamp down and not do these $600,000 votes anymore.
4: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you for coming on board. We'll do number three here over the top of the hour break. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for having us. We appreciate it.
1: Mike, as always, thankful, thanks for having me.
4: Folks, we got more coming up. Chris Story, an hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Oh, baby, um, Brad, we're just winning friends and influencing people here at this point. Uh, but it is—it's frustrating when you got people who, but you know, who beat the chest and say. I'm your fiscal conservative choice, but I'm going to go ahead and vote for, you know, AstroTurf fields in, you know, Barrow or something like that. I mean, you know, it's this is the same kind of stuff we saw back in the teens when the state was flush with money and they were building things everywhere, right? I mean, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to build a new engineering building and we got, oh, they got an AstroTurf field, we should get an AstroTurf field and we should do all this. I mean, that was was the, the soup du jour during that period of time. I can't tell you how many AstroTurf fields were built across the state. Uh, at the top, you know, at the cost of two or three million bucks a piece, uh, some of the communities built them on their own. Good for them. I'm I'm happy for that. But a lot of them were like, "Oh, we need state money to do that." I remember the Fairbanks North Star Borough is that way. They wanted to build a two or three. I mean, at some point, I'm just like, "You guys are insane, insane, <laughs> absolutely crazy." Um, but this is part of the problem when you know they're like, "Oh, that's not a big deal. I'll just vote for that to move on to something else." There's just, it's crazy.
1: It is, Michael, and 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 you're exactly right. This. The, the diving boards is 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 exactly the parallel example to to those astroturf football fields that I went on and on and on and on about for years and years and years. I mean, you got to stop, folks. You got to stop spending, um, it, or else you got to pay for it. And and the problem is, we've got a legislature. Even the Republicans, we've got a legislature that thinks they can spend. And they and and somebody and and somebody else is going to pay for it. I tell you who's going to pay for it in the long term. It's going to be additional PFD cuts. I mean, the part we didn't get to out of out of the second part was, was, is is what's the prospect for a long-term fiscal plan and what happens if we don't get to a long-term fiscal plan? Right. The answer is we're going to hit PFD cuts. Right. Oil prices are going back down. Look at the futures market. Spending is going up. Look at the inflation rates. Yep. I mean. We, we are not, this is sort of a sweet spot for a couple of years maybe, uh, but we start, oil prices start going back down after that. When you look at the futures market, spending start spending goes up when you look at the uh, at inflation rates. We, we are facing, still facing difficult choices in the years ahead. And rather than deal with those, rather than set up a structure now when we're flush, when we got the ability, when we got the time, when we're not in crisis mode, rather than set up uh, a structure to deal with that, we're we're just, you know, we're blowing it. And, right. and so what happens when we get back to those years when oil prices go back down, when spending is being driven up by inflation? What happens? PFT is going to be cut again. Right. And 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 well we get we don't op- set we didn't set up substitute revenues. We didn't set up more strictures on spending, the PFD is going to be cut again.
4: Right. Well, we end up with the ultimate degradation of the PFD to where it basically is all consumed. I mean, that's that's really the law. Without a fiscal plan, and especially without constitutionalizing the PFD and taking that argument off the table and putting that money out of reach, they'll continue to draw from that pot of money as long as it's there until it's gone, and then they'll be like, well, now we need taxes. I mean this is the same thing Roger Holland was saying, right? I mean it was the same thing. PFD cuts and taxes when we're when we're when we're hurting, but when we're flush, it's PFD cuts and ta- that is the answer. PFD cuts and taxes because they want to spend more. And that includes the $600,000 for the for the diving boards,
1: which was a Roger
4: Holland amendment. I know. I mean, exactly. I mean That's the that's the irony of all this, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 a little shocked at that, but again, just as shocked as I was when a lot of the Republicans in the House basically rolled over and wet on themselves when the vetoes were up there and they could have sustained them and they didn't because, well, my community could be hurt. Well, do we really need it if that's the question? I mean, at that point, if if you say you're for cuts, you've got to realize that everybody's ox is going to get gored in the cuts, one way or the other, and you're going to have to tell your constituencies, Sorry, buttercup, remember when I said that I would cut spending? That includes the spending here. That's what it is. And maybe it was a good program, and maybe we can reinstitute it later on. But if we don't get the fiscal house in order now, it's going
1: to kill us. Yeah, and, and even, even holding the line. I mean, the $600,000 was incremental on top of everything else that had, been, that had been put in the FY22 supplemental in the FY23 budget, on top of everything else that was in the $1.4 billion FY22 supplemental and the $700 hundred million dollar additional spending or nine hundred million dollar additional spending that's in the uh, that's that's in the FY23 budget. The six hundred thousand dollars was on top of everything else. Showers, uh, Massieu Railroad extension would have been on top of everything else. It's just you got to hold the line. I mean, if if you don't like what it's being spent on, replace it. Find something else. Say let's spend the six hundred thousand dollars here instead of. Instead of there, you just don't pilot one thing on top of another on top of another. Hold the line. Even if you can't get spending under control, at least <clears throat> hold the line on not adding additional spending on top of it.
4: So th- this is all going to hit the governor's desk. Any thoughts on whether or not, I mean, is Dunleavy going to be like, well, I'll veto this, 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 and this? Do you think he's going to veto some of the supplemental? Do you think he'll veto? I mean, what are your thoughts on 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 that quickly here?
1: Well, I, I I hope he does. Um, frankly, I think he's giving Charlie Pierce uh, the uh, the campaign uh, 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 theme that, that Charlie needs. If the governor doesn't veto a bunch of this stuff, uh, if the governor doesn't get spending back under control, I'm just I'm disappointed in the legislature at this point. But but yes, I I think the governor should. Hopefully, the governor will. But if not, Charlie Pierce has just gotten his campaign issue that he's going to run on over and over and over and over and over for the for the remainder of the campaign
4: yeah no i i agree with that all right brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets my friend thank you for coming on board as always uh like you said you're a little disappointed i mean but you know it's it's understandable i think we're all a little frustrated at this point uh but again i guess the bright spot is the pfd we'll see what happens with that in the conference or whether or not it gets accepted or not brad thank you for being part of it today
1: Michael, as always, thanks for having me.
4: Appreciate you uh, coming on board and uh, and joining us as uh, as always. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. All right, um, we got to come up here. Hour two is dead ahead. We're going to see what is uh, coming up. We got uh, your your thoughts in the next segment. Plus Chris Story we will return in a moment. The Michael Duke Show.
0: What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That
1: was just BS.
3: It is time to get a new perspective.
0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just
1: don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
4: Across the world on the interwebs at michaeldukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is the Michael Duke Show Tuesday edition of the show. We just finished up with Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, I want to say thank you to Brad for following along yesterday with all the ins and outs and bells and whistles. Many of us, you know, couldn't. Uh, I mean, you know, we we had we got to work. Right. So I'm not watching what's going on in Senate uh, on the floor of the Senate all day yesterday. I'm reading the recaps along with everybody else. And uh, <clears throat> we may have uh, we we may, you know, we may need to uh, um, uh, you know, get that kind of analysis sometimes for people who are actually paying attention to that. And and I think really that's what's benefited the legislature for many years is that you know they're out of sight, out of mind, and we are not getting a chance to see it uh, or, uh, or or get all the details of it. The $600,000 diving board thing uh, just kind of – it kind of bends my crank a little bit uh, on this. It is um, – you know, again, it's it's the typical. I mean, the school districts are getting millions and millions of dollars in additional funding, $60 million here, you know, one point whatever, $2 million in forward funding over here. They've got COVID money coming out the Wahoo. Now, they're still in crisis because – The money will only help them for a year or two and they refuse to, uh, you know, cut back or to make themselves more efficient or to find those things to live within the means of what they're receiving right now, even with a declining, uh, even with a declining uh, enrollment and everything else. Um, But uh, it is, uh, it's, it's just one of those things. Uh, Jeannie just said, Michael, if you put the pools, if you put in the pools, you have to maintain them. Yes. That's what for maintenance, that's what maintenance budgets are for. That's what, you know, that's why deferred maintenance is so bad. That's why, you know, we should be looking at these things and, uh, and analyzing the cost of these things, not just in the cost of the building and the heat and everything else, but in the maintenance and that kind of stuff. And here we are talking about how we want to cut back on government. And yet we're still willing to put in you know, another six hundred thousand dollars for diving boards in this instance. Or as I said earlier, the <clears throat> AstroTurf field to the tune of millions of dollars, which still require maintenance and upkeep and everything else. I mean, it's it is absolutely um it's it's just it's absolutely shocking. Like Brad said, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to live in the circle and in the in the channels of fiscal conservancy, then you need to be conservative about it. That's, I mean, that you need to hold the line because with taking out all the PFD spend and all the PFD revenue, if we're barely breaking even and we're still reaching for more, especially with a $1.4 billion supplemental budget for this year, you know, 1.4, I mean, we got $800 million from that, $600 million from the house. $1.4 $1.4 billion on top. I mean, that is a 20, what, 25, 27% increase over last year. You know, or, or excuse me, over the approved budget for this year. Because we approved it at what? $4.4, 4500000000 And we're going to add another $1.6 or $1.4 billion on top of it? Come on. You must hate the children. Yes. Yes, I do. I hate the children enough to protect them from this egregious spending which will affect their children's children. I know. I know. What's another $1.4 billion between friends, right? I mean, what's the, what's the deal? What's the deal? But <clears throat> it's amazing sometimes that I think people see it so clearly on one issue, for example, the PFD or other things. And yet, at the same time, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's only another six hundred thousand. Why not? Why? Why?" And as far as I mean, I support the idea of finishing the rail spur out onto, uh, uh, you know, out to Point McKenzie. But I do agree with Brad as well that you know, hey, we you know, we should be cutting some of these other projects that don't make as much sense before we start throwing more money at it. I mean, we've already partially finished this project. We've only got to finish. A little bit more of it. It was $190 million to finish the final what was it? Five or six miles or something? <clears throat> I mean, they've already done it all the way. I mean, it's so close, and yet it's, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a mile for the last <laughs> just Oh, God almighty. I mean, it's just it's insane. I mean, it, it's just just insane. Um, the reason there's a lot of angst about the 600 K is there isn't any basis for the separate appropriation. I mean, again, whether it's a separate appropriation or again, they're going to throw it all into an omnibus and everything else. I mean, this whole thing is just a hot mess. And I saw somebody say it earlier. The con con still is the only answer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm coming, I guess I'm coming to the, uh, um, I guess I'm coming to that conclusion that that's pretty much – that's pretty much it when it's all said and done. Uh, I mean, you know, the, <sighs> mm, 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 mm. anyway, your thoughts on this. I guess I'll open up the phone lines for the remainder of this segment, 433-3150. we got about 10 minutes here, so if you want to sound off, let's um, – Let's see what you guys have to say. Uh, 433-3150. Donna says in the chat room, a strong governor could solve the problem. Yeah, a strong governor could solve the problem. Uh, I mean, if they knew in their heart of hearts that they're going to put all this stuff into this bill and they knew that the governor was standing by with a red pen to do it, maybe they wouldn't be so hot and heavy to put a lot of this stuff in there if they knew that it barely passed to get in there to begin with and he's going to veto it and there's no way they have the votes to override maybe they would expend their energy on something else i mean maybe that's what we need is you know a governor that is willing to do the veto and then take the slings and arrow and the recall efforts and everything else maybe that's what we need i mean we already know how they're going to react right we have 2018 as a yardstick to know how these people are going to react to all this stuff um i guess i should actually when i said the phone lines are open. I guess I should actually turn the phone lines on. I'm sorry. I realized that I turned them off at one point. Uh, apologies. Apologies. I will turn the phone line on right now. So if you are in the phone room right now and ready to uh, to take some calls, we'll we'll take Thanks those for- calls. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we already know how this is gonna how this is gonna go off. If a governor, if this governor or a governor does a slew of vetoes. We, we, have the, we have the template. We know it's going to happen. There's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, people crying apocalypse and disaster and uh, uh, devastation and desolation and all the, all the big bad words that they're going to use for that. We see that happening already. But at some point, a strong governor needs to go in there and make those choices. It's got to happen. It's got, got to, got to, got to happen. All right, let's um, let's go over to the uh, phone lines here and see what you have to say. We got about uh, five six minutes here. Uh, we'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
2: Hey, this is Craig in Fairbanks,
4: Mike. Hello, Craig. What's happening, my friend?
2: Oh, hey, I just wanted to. I, I'm, I'm glad you're about this, and I'm hoping the governor. And I think he will cut some of this <laughs> some of this stuff. But one thing that's out there is this uh, the governor's navigability uh, designation bill, where he where he uh, has designated uh, hundreds of rivers navigable that are obviously navigable, that the feds are, you know, they want to study one at a time for the next 60 years, literally, with a million dollars a river is what it's been costing. Um, Anyway, this passed through the House unanimously uh, yesterday, and um, I'm sorry, through the Senate yesterday, and it's going through the House. It's going to be in, uh, it was going to just be in resources, and now uh, Gar wants it through fisheries, and she's, of course, Uh, convinced the fed can do a much better job and 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 so forth so uh, that's the only potential hang-up we need to have anybody in her district call gar and say please pass this navigability uh bill it's critically important for the state um, and for recreation and for economy and everything so i just want to get that out there and and for anybody that's in her district, uh, to lean on her and say, let's get this thing through fisheries.
4: All right. Well, thank you, Craig. I appreciate you calling in this morning. Thanks. Uh, uh-huh. thanks for sounding off, uh, on this. I appreciate it. 433-3150, 433-3150. If you would like to be uh, part of the show today, part of the program, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to uh, dial us up and give us uh, your thoughts, uh, on all this and more right now. Uh, look i hope that the governor does veto some of this stuff um i don't know how much he's going to uh again because remember he got his, he got a, he got smacked down the last time so there may be a few things but i don't think it will be nearly enough especially since it's election year and he wants to be you know he wants to be liked by all he probably is not going to veto a whole lot although really he should be vetoing a big portion of this especially the supplemental and uh, some of the forward funding and some of this other ridiculous stuff that's going on, that those monies could be better spent, you know, either in, in different projects or in basically paying back the CBR. I mean, we still owe the CBR, I will remind everybody, we still owe the CBR $10 billion. And, I mean, $10 billion that were constitutionally mandated to have in there. And yet they want to spend every dollar and then some. I mean, woof. Woof. All right. Uh another call. We'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
6: Jeremy Casila.
4: Good morning, sir. What's on your mind?
6: Well uh, you know, this uh whole Medicaid expansion thing because of Obamacare and Mark Beggage. Um bill walker bill walker expanded it by executive fiat i mean there's your 800 million bucks right there
4: Uh, there is a big chunk of it there yeah absolutely it,
6: it if he can expand it by executive fiat then why can't uh governor Dunleavy?
4: well partially because par- partially because we've already accepted federal money for it and once you accept that federal money and start uh and grow that constituency for that needy you got to now justify to the federal government why you're going to shut it down so it's a it's much easier to but implement it than it is
6: from jump street right well because- no no, I mean he the, didn't have the legislature's permission to do that.
4: Well, according to the courts, he didn't need the legislature's permission to do that. That was something that he could do on the, in an executive decision. I mean, that was the whole problem with this from the very beginning was that he did it, and the legislature didn't, you know, didn't really challenge him on it. I mean, there was a lot of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, but uh, he did it, and they let it stand, and we started taking the federal monies on it, and now you got to justify to the feds why you would cut those constituencies out and that's where it's left us right now
6: it's a sad state of affairs isn't it michael duke
4: i i am uh, i am in agreement with you on that i think it is a sad state of affairs and it's part of the problem that continues to drive what we've got going on in the state thank you jeremy for your call all right we are up against the break we got more coming up we're going to continue the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio don't forget to come out and check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash michael duke show we will continue with more right after this chris story up next
0: broadcasting live through a series of tubes allowing all of these entities to provide streaming going on on the the, the internet well it's kind of hard to explain sorry streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukeshow.com
4: don arduin just said great question i told the attorney general i wanted to unilaterally reverse the medicaid expansion and was told the legislature ratified the expansion after the fact did they i don't remember that did they, is that what happened cuz that was that was after the session had ended did they then ratify it the next year because i don't remember i guess i don't i don't remember that huh but i mean i do know that getting out of those federal programs is much easier than getting in Getting in is one thing. Getting in is pretty easy. But once they create that constituency, then you have to prove to the federal government that uh, you have cause or there's a reason or you can justify in some way um, uh, backing out of those programs once you've created that constituency for them. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Let me get this. Uh, this all put squared away I closed come on the heck man lost my lost my window for a second there okay let's uh let's get this uh get this going and get on board uh 433-3150 uh is the phone number but we're gonna I guess we'll hold up on the lines here since Chris is going to be joining us um I watched him the other day one man can only garner the cooperation of others he can't do it alone um, let's see. And he, a strong. He and Edie has Edie by his side, along with a lovely first lady. Um, uh, he's talking about talking about uh, Charlie Pierce there. Uh, Dunleavy isn't the right person for governor. He has no integrity. I don't know about integrity, but he certainly has no backbone and no vote-whipping ability. Yeah, that's. I mean, I would integrity, I guess, is I guess tenacity maybe is the wor- thing you're looking for, not integrity. I wouldn't say integrity, I would say more uh, the the tenaciousness that's needed in something like that. Uh, Jimmy says, I'm not against Medicare. I'm going to need to tap that myself in the coming years. This was the Medicaid expansion, not the Medicare expansion. It was a Medicaid expansion that basically took all it basically took every optional program that Medicaid had available. Um, I'm just scrolling backwards here. Dunley, we should know that trying to please everyone all the time means pleasing everyone none of the time. Yup. Yup. How about everyone type on the chat here what you suggest using the 600K for instead of diving board. Fixing our potholes or fixing our elections is the two answers that Shana got out of that one. $600,000 for diving boards. I mean, I have no idea how much diving boards cost, but that just seems – I mean, how many are they getting? 30 of them? 40 of them? How much do they cost a piece? Um, Do you think the same response from folks on cuts would be there with vetoes now that we've gone through the pandemic? Uh, I think the special interest would still be squawking like a – I mean, like a roasted goose at this point. Um, I think that – I think that uh, – those people, you know, the education lobby and a lot of the folks who were making all that noise to begin with, especially with with any future education cuts or university cuts, they're definitely going to be out in force. On some of the other stuff, maybe I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be quite so. Maybe it wouldn't be quite so uh, 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 strident. But he definitely would. Fa- if he did some of the same cuts, I think you'd still have a big chunk of the same people doing the same thing. All right. Looks like uh, looks like Chris Story is uh, on the phone with us. Hello, my friend. Good morning, Michael. How are you?
7: Ready to dive right in?
4: See did, what I, did. I, I see what you. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Six hundred thousand. Where's my six hundred? Six hundred thousand for diving boards. What do you think?
7: Oh, it's, it's so hard to know. You know, you, you cherry pick things like that, and you don't really know. Um, you know, cause here's the other side of that. We don't fix them and somebody gets hurt and we, and we'll be right back here going, can you believe that they let that diving board go, get in such disrepair that that child
4: gets well, hurt? Should, so, wait, you, you, know. you do buildings and maintenance and things like that. Shouldn't that be part of it? Hold on a second. I'm actually going to take this question to you at the beginning because you're a real estate expert. We're going to start there. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty base, free thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show Tuesday edition of the show. Chris Story uh, joins us normally for our weekly pick-me-up, which we're going to get to. But right when I took him on the phone here, I asked him the question because obviously the $600,000 for diving boards is, uh, is like the hot button for today anyway. And uh, you were saying, oh, it's so hard because you know if if we let it the, go into disrepair and somebody gets hurt and everything. But look, you're a you're a you're a you're a property guy, right? I mean, commercial property, private property, everything else, but commercial property, you've maintained and and owned places that you rent out and uh, facilities that you rent out to people, right? Um, yeah. I mean, if yep. you if you had had a swimming pool. Uh, wouldn't maintenance, including maintaining the diving boards or in fact eventually replacing the diving boards, wouldn't that be baked into your budgetary plans on how much you need to hold back for maintenance or charge the charge the renter or do I mean, wouldn't that be all baked into that?
7: Yes and no. So what you what you don't know and this is, my only point was when we cherry pick items, out of the budget. It's it's an overall conversation. It's very difficult if you just simply cherry pick this one item and say, oh, this is outrageous. Maybe it is. I'm not saying that it isn't outrageous, but what I'm saying is there's probably, there's things that we don't know. And I guess my, my larger point was, wow, the pitchforks would really come out if somebody got hurt because of a, a lack of repair or something. But I guess the question is this. Is it cheaper? And I would need to know this if I was in the legislature looking at the budget. I'd need to know is it actually less expensive to replace them than what it may be costing for maintenance every year? That could be a problem like maybe it's costing us. You don't know what is it costing us per year around all these school districts to actually maintain these these, these pools and, and, and their associated diving boards and so forth. And hey Safety matter. So maybe it's actually in the end going to be less expensive to simply replace them at 600k than it is to to go on updating and maintaining them and so on. So I have no idea. But here's where I have a problem: is if we're double dipping, if we're actually taking huge budgetary items like this and Christmas treeing them onto an already bloated billion-plus dollar budget, multi-billion dollar budget, and taking depreciation because we set aside money every year within boroughs and cities and so forth. They take a dep- depreciation funds. Oh, we have to take this portion of the tax revenues we, we earn and set it over aside for depreciation. Are we not utilizing those depreciation funds well? So if we're on the one hand uh, absconding with huge amounts from the public coffers to replace an item that you've also been taking from the, your revenues and putting them into a depreciation fund. Why aren't you using that account? So that's what I would want to know. Where have these buildings fallen into disrepair such that the depreciation isn't being used? If you're going to take depreciation funds, you better use them and actually maintain the property. That's what it's for. So if they're double dipping, I have a problem with that. If, however, it's been determined that it's actually less expensive to just simply replace them all, bring them all up to today's standards. Maybe they're 30, 40, 50 years old. I have no sure. idea. Uh, maybe it's cheaper to do this than it is to continue throwing good money after bad, trying to maintain them. Uh, but again, I would want to, as a, as a member of the legislature, I want to know if we're double dipping on these things, and depreciation funds are being taken and set aside and not used, and they're falling into disrepair. I'd have a problem with
4: that. I guess my I, well, I guess my larger question is that if these are borough facilities or muni facilities mm-hmm. instead of uh, instead of state facilities. Why is it the responsibility of the legislature to take care of that? Shouldn't it be the taxpayer base in those areas that are paying for that instead?
7: Another great question. Don't know. I mean, you know, whatever we need a new roof, what do we do? We, we go out for bond and things like that in the local borough. So, yeah, I, it's, it's part of a – that's why I say it's a little bit difficult to cherry pick. Overall, the greater question is this. With less than a million people, what is – why really is the cost of government so high – that it's into the, the an extra what did you say one point four billion this year over what was yeah. projected. One point four
4: billion called. supplemental this year alone.
7: Right. I mean it's just shocking and yet I defy you to find an open public restroom this winter on the highway. There there might be one or two, but you know, so where's and obviously that's just a little <laughs> hot button issue for myself because when you make that, that trip and and you find um they're not open. You think, hmm, I know we're spending billions of dollars, uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. I don't envy the people that are in those positions because they can almost, you, you were talking about, you know, one of your listeners said something about pleasing everybody all the time. You just can't do it. it. When you start coming after, when my ox is being bored, come on, don't do that. Don't cut this part of the budget, but you should cut that piece. I don't envy what our neighbors, and they are neighbors, it's easy to... Put sort of this amorphous face upon them in Juno, but really it's our neighbors that we send down there with a very difficult task. And I do think there needs to be accountability, obviously. And when they come home for town halls, or we're communicating with them, we treat them like neighbors and hold them accountable for these kinds of budget ideas and, and items and so forth. But it's a it's a much it's like unraveling a tumor from somebody's spine. It's very difficult to know where to start, so that you don't lose the patient. And so, ultimately, if they cut everything, you no, know, too too drastically, it's going to affect our lifestyle. But surely, we're eating too much. I think the, right. you know, the golden goose here in Alaska is eating too much. We need to. We definitely need to try to shrink this thing. But. Um, It does take fortitude, I think, you know, what your your person was talking about, integrity. I say it takes the fortitude and the willingness to be a Ron DeSantis type that says, hey, I may not come back next year. You may not like what I do, but by God, I'm going to do what I think is right. And if you don't like it, well, uh, Mike Dunleavy, for example, he could stand tall back in the school district he came from, or maybe he'd go work for his brother's gas company, or who knows? There's a lot of things he could probably do. I have a lot more respect for him if he simply stood his ground and made a decision, even if I don't like it. And he said, but this is what we must do to chart a new course for Alaska. And I think you take a guy like Charlie Pierce, uh, even Chris Kirka, from what little I know of him, um, people like that, they seem to have that intestinal fortitude that it's going to take to chart that new course to maybe a a slightly smaller multi-billion dollar budget.
4: Well, we'll have to see, I guess. Let's get into the... uh Let's get into the uh, the the uplift here, the the life coaching for the week. What what had you planned before I derailed your whole train? There, what have you planned to talk with us about uh, today?
7: Well, you know, as per usual, it's not um, it's not that you've completely taken me off track, just a different track, but it's very similar. In fact, that it's I just wanted to share the master key of uh, to riches, and so here we are talking about a very rich state. And I think we we all have this master key available to us. Napoleon Hill actually wrote the book called The Master Key to Riches. And I picked it up a number of years ago at, uh, ironically, a, a little bookstore uh, in Florida called the Curmudgeon Bookstore. It was a great little hole-in-the-wall uh, used bookstore, and, and I loved it. But anyway, I picked this book up many, many years ago there. And I think The Master Key to Riches could answer the very question you started this segment with, which is, you know, the, the budget item. So here's the master key to all riches. Okay. It's whatever you can conceive and believe you can achieve. So the master key truly is how you think it's your mindset, how you think about uh, riches, how you think about happiness, health success in any walk of life. And you get to define whatever the word success means to you, but it's how you think it's your mindset. So our thoughts literally determine how we live, not just how we live, but how well we live. And science is showing, and not the science, but actual science is showing how long you live is impacted by how you think. So if you think that there's no answer to, say, a budget crisis or what have you, and you think the only answer is to add more to it, then that's what will happen. So how you think will determine your results. Norman Vincent Peale, I just plaque up in my office. It says, change your thoughts and you'll change your life. That's his quote. And it's true. I'll, I was going to share a little story. If there's time.
4: Yeah, go really? ahead. Go ahead. We got time. Okay.
7: Super poignant in my mind. If I when I start thinking about just changing your thoughts, Tiffany and I were sitting, um, on the on deck one day, beautiful, sunny Alaska, the kind of Alaskan day that you're like, yeah, this is why we're here. It was an amazing, gorgeous day. It was um, mid-May one year, and we were just planning out the rest of the year, thinking about our goals and objectives, and, and we were just, we were done. We were done for the, that little session. We were just kind of sitting there chatting, and I said, "Oh, well, hold on a second. What if?" And I took, took our, our, our goal sheet, and I just said, what if we double this number? Mm. Now, my, tell you, we're not in government. We didn't double our expenses. We were t- I was talking about doubling the income. I said, "What if we just did, what if we just doubled it?" And that was incredibly scary. I could just feel almost the hair on the back of my neck stand up when I think about it. It was very like, "Can we?" I don't know. Uh, and I said, "Let's just try it. Erase that number. Put in a number that was literally twice as much." It, it already felt like we were stretching. But I said, "Let's just try. Let's just do this." And. It changed our thoughts. We thought differently from that moment forward and came in cr- scarily close to hitting the figure that we had set simply for having changed our thoughts. And I remember saying to her, uh, in that moment, I, I, we shook hands, and I said, congratulations, we just doubled our income. And it, it was in that moment. It was in an instant. It wasn't something that took a year. Now, effectively, it did take a year to enact the plan and do it. But it happened in a moment how we thought about it Became what we would do for the next year, and it worked. I think it's possible for anything, any part of our life. Like I say, health, uh, be it our wealth, our health, or our family relationships, a new career, something we want to do, accomplish, a business. Somebody I know has been really dreaming about starting a business, and it's an expensive, it's a capital intense business. It's a it's a retail-type business. It, you got to have location, which means you've got to have either the money to buy the real estate or, you know, top tier rental. Right. And then a lot of inventory. And so I, I'm talking to this person in such a way that I'm saying, you can become that business owner long before you get the key to the building, long before you get the equipment, long before you get the loan you might need for, for you know, inventory and operation expenses and so forth. You can become that business owner right here. Michael, I'm pointing to my head. Right now, right here in your mind, you could become that business owner today in an instant, make up your mind, then the reality will, be, will become your reality, but you have to change your thoughts. Then
4: you can change your life. Uh, <clears throat> we talk about this frequently. I mean, it's the one thing that we have ultimate control of. A lot of times we don't Absolutely. have control of our circumstances. We don't, you know, we, there are things that get thrown at us, you know, negative things that life happens kind of things, but the one thing that we do have control of, and however you put it, whether it's, you know, conceiving and believing, whether it's taking control, whether it's how you react to certain situations, it is the one thing in life that we have ultimate and total control of.
7: Absolutely. I agree. It, and, and responsibility for, not just control. Yes, you have 100% control, but you're 100% responsible. Maybe childhood wasn't picturesque. Maybe it was awful. You know, just a terrible childhood. And I'm sorry for that. Maybe it may, or maybe it was just, you were never pushed. You just kind of rolled along and you've never really had a challenge in your life. That's that's another thing that might determine, the, you know, mediocre results or something. But you are 100% in control of it and responsible for your mindset and how you think and how you react to what happens. I read a study recently where anxiety is actually not a bad thing. We think about anxiety or being anxious as very bad. Like, oh, I hope you don't have an anxiety disorder. And I'm not suggesting there couldn't be some mental illness that is surrounding severe anxiety that's crippling. But it isn't, according to this researcher, it isn't that she spent 20 years focused on anxiety as a psychologist. And she said, anxiety is not the problem. Anxiety is normal and natural. It's part of your brain. It's part of your, we're hardwired to feel anxiety. The problem isn't that. The problem is our reaction to anxiety, and if we can learn to control how we react in the moment of feeling anxious, the moment of being confronted with anxiety, we can change the outcome. And if we numb it drastically with some sort of self-medication or prescribed medication, we numb anxiety. We're actually missing out on some of the natural, um, the, the natural instincts we have, the natural response, the ability to respond, response able. It can numb and dull the senses such that you don't achieve, you don't accomplish, and you don't have the deeper relationships and understanding. So it's in that gap that Victor Frankl calls it the gap between stimulus and response. In that gap, in that moment, in that instant, is the control you've got over the rest of your life. He talks about in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, about um, seeing a picture, somebody showed him a picture of these prisoners in a in a uh, concentration camp where he himself had been, right. and they the waif looking thin, skeletal people on this bunk just laying there with this distant stare in their eyes. And this person said, "Isn't this horrible?" And he said, "Wow, I see this picture completely different." He said, "I see the relief." In them, I see the moment where they had to do nothing and they were actually relieved to be in that sick bay so as not have to go out and face the harsh work in the winter that they otherwise would have had to bend. He said the control that they had in those concentration camps was literally only over their minds and their thoughts. And that's the last thing that they had control over. Everything else was gone. What an interesting perspective. Yeah. Your thoughts literally will determine your
4: life. Well, and it's something we should all take to heart and remember, um, again, what the mind of man can conceive and believe he can achieve, but it takes both the conception of it and the belief in it that that's where you're going. And it is the one thing that you have control over. One thing only that you have control over. Uh, And gratitude. You could
7: really form it. I don't mean that. I know you're trying to get rid of me, Michael. I feel it. But gratitude, I think, is the ultimate on-ramp to that highway of changing your thoughts is using gratitude being grateful for this moment what you've got and being grateful for what you know is coming because you
4: can change your thoughts chris story the man from homer uh, author of the book the backyard millionaire available on amazon and audible also the making of man series and uh, so much more uh thank you my friend for coming on board and joining us we appreciate you uh sounding off with us my pleasure thank you michael it's always good to speak with you, and we uh, appreciate it. Uh, thank you for uh, for, for uh, coming on board. All right, we are um, we're gonna hit the break, and we will continue. I guess we'll open up the. I never changed the screen, did I? Well, sorry. There's see. There's Chris, and now we're back to. I'm going to open up the phone lines, 433 3150, 433 3150. We'll take some calls here in the final segment of the show. Whatever you want to talk about, we'd love to hear. We'll open line, open format for the rest of the hour. How about that? The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio.
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
4: Okay, in the break. Uh,
0: I know Michael had his fill of
4: life. He does that when the Republicans go on a spending spree. I had my fill of life advice. That's, that's, I can, I don't think you can ever get your fill of life advice. I think you should be constantly reassessing what you're doing um, and trying to better yourself. That's, uh, that's the whole point. Um, all right. Gratitude is crucial. One thing we know what is coming is death and taxes. Yes. <laughs> Those are the two inevitabilities. Um, uh, I'm still scrolling backwards cut out your bread you grow your vegetables yep yeah. um a lot of people just dream of living the life we live especially here on the KPv yeah I mean I think that's uh, it's truth but sometimes uh, maybe the dream gets is is better than the actual reality sometimes um Uh, user fees, but does not have to use unions. Uh, oh, talking about YMCA. Okay. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's continue ahead. Oh, wait. Hey, Harold just congratulated Senator Shower for the full PFD. Man, miracles will never cease. Did the sun just cease moving in the sky at this point? I'm curious. Um, all right. Um. Jeannie says 2,000 mules. She wants to talk about 2,000 mules. Feel free to call in, Jeannie, and talk about it. I have not watched it yet. I have not watched it yet. <clears throat> like I said, it is in my list of things to watch, but I have not watched it yet. Um, all right. Looks like we got one line on hold, and uh, we're about uh, three and a half minutes out here or so. Uh, let's go over to the line and we'll get the caller's name and where they're calling from, and we can uh, be ready for them when we restart back on the radio here in uh, just a couple minutes. So we'll start over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
3: Hi, this is, uh, my name is Dale. I'm from Fairbanks.
4: Okay, Dale, hold the line, my friend. We will be back to you here in just a second, and you will be first up in the queue. Uh, when we return uh to the radio so don't go anywhere Dale is up first in Fairbanks um uh, I'm sorry I'm looking through some of the other comments here anything else um I'm still looking
0: here
4: um strong uh, that I told Charlie on Sunday that even Walden made sense. It was a bit of an echo chamber. He left, um, Walden, like on golden pond, Walden or Walden pond or what it's snowing in Fairbanks. Well, you poor guys, well, you know, spring will get there eventually. That's all I'm saying. Spring will eventually get there on Wednesday. (laughs) Oh man. Um, A strong governor would solve the problem, says Donna. Charlie, Christopher Kirka, is who we need, says Susie. Jeannie says Charlie. Susie says Christopher. Um, uh, Kirka needs to drop the pound sand comments. No way he wins, and he doesn't seem as willing to work with the other side as a reasonable extent. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see him as an effective governor. Uh, Susie said I spent two days with he and his wife. Uh, Charlie Pierce says Don... Um, and he has Edie by his side, Susie. I watched him the other day. One man can only garner cooperation, can only garner the cooperation of others. You can't do it alone. Um, <clears throat> I watched Charlie too, and agree with Christopher Kirkham most of the time, even on ice cream. Okay. I, am okay. So, um, all right. I, 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 don't know what you guys are talking about. You know, it bothers me sometimes when I look in there and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm confused. Apparently something was said that I missed in the, in the long run, but that's fine. That's, that's that's what the chat room is for. You guys enjoy yourselves in there. all right. Ketchikan did a bond on AstroTurf for the ball fields. Why can't Anchorage do a bond on the diving board? If something doesn't benefit all Alaskans, it shouldn't be in the budget. I would agree. I mean, my biggest thing is the whole, uh, is the whole, uh, school bond reimbursement thing. That should not be in the supplemental. I mean, these people knew what they were getting into. And if they didn't, they'll they'll soon learn. That's uh that's that's the bottom line. Um I'm still scrolling back here down to the bottom. Sunny but windy here in Kenai, y'all just keep the snow up there to yourselves. It's not snowing it's not snowing here. In fact there was no wind last night, which was really nice. It it was it's it's beautiful here. Uh, Whole South Central area was, you know, warm and warm and sunny. Uh, Must read covered the Q and A between the candidates for governor. All right, we'll we'll see, we'll see how many comments this fine morning. Two hundred and forty seven comments so far this morning. All right, we're ten seconds out. Let's jump back into this. We've got uh, Dale on the line from Fairbanks. We're going to start off with him, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Well, the ding-ding means we're time. It's here. We're back. You ready to go? Let's jump into this. Uh, we're doing open line, open forum for the final segment of the show this morning. Whatever you guys want to uh, talk about, we're going to uh, we're going to ride with that this morning. And we're going to start off with your comments and your calls and see what you have to say. Uh, we got one line on hold here on the Pivotel call-in line at 433-3150, 433-3150. Let's go over here and talk to Dale in Fairbanks, who's up first. Good morning, Dale. What's on your mind?
3: Good morning, Michael. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, My mind. So uh, I just want to kind of let people know that uh, on the 12th, there is a State Department of Labor Workforce Development um, meeting. Uh, that people can call in and talk to, um, from the workers' compensation board. And I am calling about this because, well, I'm an, I'm an injured worker for one. I've been out of work since November, um, and facing the possibility of having to get, um, like, uh, re-education training, re-employment training. Right, right. If I can't go back to my job, Right. So I uh, was looking at the statutes for that and and, and what's available for me if if I have to go that way. And I found out, well, so what happens is if you can't go back to work, they can pay $13,300 towards re-employment, right? And I was like, oh, that number seems a little low. So I I went in the statutes and I read that. I'm like, well, let me go back five years and see how much it was back then. Well, it was the same amount five years ago. Let me go back 10 years. go back 10 years, it's the same amount then. I found out that they haven't increased that number for injured workers since the year 2000.
4: Oof. been a while.
3: 20 years. It's been a while. It's been a while. I was like, well, what happens if uh, in 2000 if you had to go to school? Well, that number would pay for about 160 credits, not including fees and whatnot at the university in the year 2000. Um, today, maybe 50 credits. So... It seems to me that there really needs to be some, some light shed on this because the Department of Labor and uh, Worker's Compensation have not been doing their job towards injured Alaskans uh, who got hurt on the, on, uh, on the job, either to the, no fault of their own or, or, or some fault. Right. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, this is just crazy that they haven't increased the benefits available towards injured people in over 20 years. And uh, I'm going to be calling in and probably calling my uh, my legislatures and, and trying to bring some light to this because I think it's appalling. calling.
4: No, I mean, I think so, it, you know, um, things. I have
3: the number. Here's the number.
4: Yeah, sure. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, the, the call number is 888-788-0099, and that's uh, the 12th. Uh, you get to call in before 1015
4: a.m. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, this is, uh, I mean, it's interesting, you know, we see a lot of this where they bake something into statute and instead of putting some kind of inflationary measure or at least even a a component that would allow it to be increased every 10 years or something, uh, it sits there until somebody squawks enough or gets hurt enough or whatever and is able to increase it. Um, And, you know, I I think, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've never taken taken unemployment, um, whether for regular benefits Mm -hmm. or for injury benefits. Uh, but I find I think the whole system is messed. I mean, I did. I looked into it a few years ago when I would change when I left one radio station and um, I had a non compete, which meant I couldn't do anything in radio for a series of months. And I was like, well, I what else am I going to do? I better figure something out. And I looked into it and discovered that man, it wasn't even worth filling out the paperwork for it. It was. I've been, paying into, I've been paying into it for 30 years, and it wouldn't even draw enough to – and if I took in any extra money outside of the unemployment, I was under threat. To, I mean, it, on every piece of paper, the threat was if you don't report or don't do this or don't do that, they will come screw you through the floor. And I was like, okay, well, nobody needs that kind of heartache. So, you know, I think the whole thing at this yeah. point needs to it, be looked it, at.
3: It, it seems like a lot of this is very pro- institution and pro bureaucracy and anti-worker and anti um you know you know if if someone's disabled or dislocated from their position it seems to be it's not for them it's it's for the bureaucracy or it's for the employers who don't have to pay as high insurance premiums for their injured workers
4: yeah well dale i appreciate the insight and uh and good luck and let us know how that works out okay
3: hello there thank you
4: thank you appreciate you calling in this morning let's uh, continue ahead over here to this phone call good morning who's this where are you calling from
5: hi Mike Jeff I am home in this morning I listen to you and and uh, uh, Chris story who's a great guy um you know he's talking about making money and everything you know one of the one of the biggest problems with uh, with America today is and we've talked about this years ago it was talked about it's talked about every time we have a recession we don't have enough makers and we got too many takers, meaning not everybody can live on the government, you know, and they're still doing it, you know, they're still trying to put people up and take care of them, and people need to go back to work. There's work out there, you know what I mean? If we're going to have a good economy, we need everybody making something. I don't care if it's coffee, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody has a place or, and I've seen a few go back to work in places where they were, you know, they're starting to do that, but we need to really step up our, you know, get out of the house, go to work, I think, um, put it mildly And you know, we had a great opportunity here on the Kenai right now to put a lot of people to work with this forestry industry that's coming along. Right. We've got opportunities for other things and every, everywhere you turn there are opportunities. They're building down in Homer, they're building here, they're building everywhere. It's incredible with the price of the lumber, but you know, we're going to try to help bring that down, uh, and, and do everything we can. And we need makers. Not takers, because you know, on your street, if you've got, you know, in comp was the same way. I said this years ago, way back in Maine. Um, you know, on on my street, we had three guys on comp, all right, or my road, and and uh, like five of us working. So I said, it's not going to be long. You get three more, and it goes clean across the country. I don't know how you sustain that. You see what I'm
4: right. Saying? Well, that's the so, whole problem. So those are problems. <laughs> That's the whole problem with Social Security. Yeah, that's the whole problem with Social Security these days. Remember, it wasn't uh, 15 years ago that the average number of the person withdrawing Social Security to the number of contributors was like one to 14, and now it's down to like one and three. You know, so it 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 starts to become a question of how how do these unsustainable things continue into the future? And the answer is they don't, and you better be ready for them.
5: Correct. You know, so what I'm saying is we need to create more businesses. We need more entrepreneurs and you need to listen to Chris story about what he's talking about and people that, that are already successful. Those are the people that are there being successful. You know, and, you know, I've always said there's three types of people on this planet. Those who show up to see what happened, those that show up and ask what the heck just happened. Those of us that show up to make it happen. You can be one of those three people. I know who I am and Chris does and you do
2: right okay yeah and
5: other people i know yeah. i can name people that know who they are and that's what you need to do is look into your soul and say who am i what can i do
4: yeah no and absolutely Money. In, in that, should, for my country. that should be the first question that you ask yourself in any situation what can i do to make that what can i do to what can i do to make this work what can i do to fix this what can i do to help this and make this better uh that's always served me well and uh and i agree with that Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Make sure you keep us updated on what's going on with that forestry thing down in the Kenai. We appreciate you uh, calling in and joining us this morning. Folks, that brings us to the end of the hour. Oh, baby. So tomorrow, Mike Shower will be joining us for the, I guess it would be, is it the final... It might be the final shower hour of power for this session. I don't know what time they quit on the following Wednesday. But this but tomorrow will be officially one week from the end of the session. So tomorrow may be the final hour of power. We'll be talking with uh, Mike Shower about that. We'll get some updates after we see what happens on the floor this morning with his Senate budget. Do, do they reconsider the full PFD or do they allow it to go through? And does the House demand reconciliation or do they just accept it Mm, big question big question all right we'll see what happens tomorrow the michael duke show common sense liberty base free thinking radio we'll see you then all right my friends like share follow do it all do it now obey (laughs) just kidding no really obey alright like share follow the show page if you're on YouTube hit subscribe ring the bell thank you guys for being part of the show we appreciate it It it's a good show fast show as always fastest two hours in radio we will see you tomorrow